We'll take just a minute this morning. You have your Bible, Psalm 91. I want you to notice this is a psalm of protection, the promise of protection. But what I want you to understand about this psalm, noticing that it's a great psalm of encouragement, God has a plan for us. And what I want you to, uh, what I don't want you to think is that God's plan for us is that there's no trouble. I want you to notice one word. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 14. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. The Lord says, because uh, my child has set his love upon me. Now, let's very careful. He's chosen to love me. That's a real key point. All of us in this room, if you choose to love the Lord, Lord, I want to choose to love you. Daily, I pray, Lord, help me to love you more than anything in this life. Lord, help me to love my wife like you love the church, but help me to love you more. I don't know yet how to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Um, That's just almost an impossible task, but anything through the Spirit of God is possible. But the idea is that, Lord, I want to love you more. And you have to set your love upon him. You have to choose to love him. Now, listen very carefully. The Bible says that you and I are to love our enemies. Okay? Pray for them that despitefully use you. You have to set your love upon an enemy, someone that doesn't like you, someone that's after you. You have to set your love and say, Lord, help me to love them. I want to love them. And folks, today, the idea is, I want you to see at this psalm, is that I want to encourage you to want to love the Lord first. That's the goal of this psalm. Now, you'll notice he says in verse 14, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. Now, deliverance is not protection. It means he pulls you out of the fire. It means he promises to stand up for you. But it doesn't mean that there's not going to be difficulties. A deliverance is, if you'll remember, the three Hebrew children in the book of Daniel, uh, they were delivered out of the fiery furnace. They had to go into it, but the Lord delivered them. So the Lord says, if you set your love upon me, I will promise to deliver you. Now, uh, I am certain that when the three Hebrew children were getting ready to be thrown in the fiery furnace, there was some angst in their hearts. I'm certain they said, you know, we're fixing to get it. But they encouraged each other and said, you know, we're just going to trust the Lord to, to help us to go quickly. And they got thrown in the fiery furnace, and I'm certain they looked at each other and said, I, I'm, not, I'm not burning. I don't hurt. What's going on? They looked around at each other, and they saw Jesus there with them. And they said, I never dreamed he would come personally and deliver us. Well, the Lord says, I will deliver you. But you'll notice a few things about this. So I want you to see his plan is perfect, okay? Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, uh, 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 the, uh, the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So he says, "Look, I want you to dwell with me." Now, now, picture in your mind: it's make a home. To dwell is not to just meet with the Lord on Sunday morning. 
meet with the Lord on Wednesday night. It's to live with him. It's to make your thoughts and your dreams about him. It's to purpose in your heart that every day I want to be with the Lord. In other words, his presence. I want to block everything else out and make him the primary person in my life. And folks, that's the Christian life, but it's hard to do. We have so many things we have to do. We have this thing to worry about, that thing to worry about. And and do you realize that 200 years ago, things were a little more simple? I mean, you got up, uh, you went and fed the cattle, you went and got the chicken eggs out. Uh, I I had the privilege of growing up uh, in the summertime with my grandparents, and it was a much simpler life. And when I say that, I remember... Getting up, uh, uh, let's see, what day was wash day? Thursday was wash day. And so every Thursday, I I think that was wash day. But every time there was a wash day, Tuesday was sale day. We would go to the the cattle sales, and my grandfather would keep an eye on the price of things. And then I think Monday or Wednesday was was, uh, shopping day. We'd go in to get... uh, chickens or if we're going to have a uh, we're going to have fried chicken she'd go in and and uh, buy a couple of chickens I think they were like 49 cents a piece or something like that and and uh, we'd go into town and and uh, we'd do a little bit of shopping and uh, uh, the reason I remember that is because we'd go into town and I remember there was this store I don't remember the name of it uh, but I remember going in they had a BB gun boy I just really looked at that BB gun it was the coolest gun and then they switched to a 22 and I said oh my could I make a lot of damage with that 22? Wow. And I just walked by that store and looked in there. I can remember that. But there were days that we did things. So the life was a lot more simple. I remember we got up early in the morning, and uh, we'd go up and milk the cow. That was the first thing we did. Uh, 5, 5.30. And then when we come back, it was my job. I'd go in the hen house, and I'd get the eggs. And then we'd come back to the house, and Grandma already had the, uh, the biscuits and the gravy fixed. And uh, I'm telling you, that was every day. Uh, so if you got a chance to spend time with the Lord, my grandmother would. She had a specific time. It was just different. Today, you get up. I mean, they had one car. They had one tractor. But, but it wasn't like, I mean, the busy time was whenever the, the, the fruits and the vegetables came in. Of course, then they were busy then. That was a busy week or two or three, and they were doing all the canning. But, but the life was pretty orderly. Um, you get up in the morning in the wintertime. I remember going up for Christmas. We'd go up the wintertime, and, and uh, you get all bundled up, and we'd go to the hay barn and, and get uh, the, uh, the tractor. And I could drive the tractor and the trailer behind it, and they'd throw eight or ten bales of hay on the tractor on the trailer, and we'd drive down through the, uh, the, the pasture, and we'd start busting those bales of hay and throwing them out, and all the cattle came running, and they ate. And then the rest of the day, we just looked forward to fried chicken and uh, and, and, you know, biscuits and gravy, and, and, uh, and there wasn't much else that we did. We fellowshiped and talked, um, but it wasn't like today. I mean, today, everybody is so busy, so it's hard to dwell with the Lord. 
there, I could pick a time each evening and I could spend time with the Lord. And so you and I still have to do the same thing, but we have to block out a lot of stuff. Notice he says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Um, It's secret because most people don't know about it. Most people don't care where where the Lord is. So it is a secret, but for Christians. Now notice, if you would, in verse 2 he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Now I want you to notice, um, God's plan does not always have us in a perfect situation. Um, I want to take just a minute. If you remember Job, one and Job's situation wasn't perfect. It was for a long time, but the Lord allowed certain things in his life. Now, are you okay if the Lord says, I'm going to use you, James, to show Satan that there are Christians that love me. And so one of the children gets very sick. Are we willing to go through that? Or Lynette gets very sick. Are we willing to say, Lord, I'm at your disposal, but I'm going to trust you. The plan of God many times uses difficulties for us to reach others. Take your Bible and turn to John 9. I want you to see this. John 9. John 9. And notice with me if you would. And I want you to understand the gravity of this. Uh, this, This is a hard thing for us to wrap our minds around. But I want you to notice this. In verse number 1. This is John 9, 1. And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. Okay, now so get that. Now watch this. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? They always thought difficulty came from sin. That's what they assumed. That if you're having troubles, remember with Job, they said if you'd get right with God, all these troubles would go away. He said, I am right with the Lord. Notice, if you would, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now, remember, he's born blind, so he couldn't have sinned to cause himself to be born blind. But he said, did his parents sin, and you allowed their son to be born blind? Okay, the Lord uses our children sometimes, our workplace sometimes, to get our attention to come back to him. Okay, now watch. Jesus answered in verse 3 and said, Neither this man hath sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Are we willing? Now, this man is above 40 years old. So he's been blind for 40 years because God is using him. Are we willing to allow that? Are we willing to accept that? Are we willing to embrace that? You will notice that um, this man is healed. But because he was born blind, it was a miracle that no one could refute. Um, There were some people that lost their eyesight, maybe got it back. Uh, I I can tell you this, (coughs) that... Uh, notice with me, if you would, 
Um, look down in chapter 9, John chapter 9, verse number 18. <coughs> but the Jews did not believe concerning him. They didn't believe he was born blind. <coughs> you see, people that were um, blind, crippled, lepers, people didn't know them much because no one cared about them. So these Pharisees didn't know much about this blind man. Probably didn't even notice it. But notice if you would, verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. Verse number 20, his parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. Well, Again, the Lord allowed this, and you'll notice if you would in verse number 21, but by what means he now seeth, we know not, or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. And so uh, understand this man is an, is an older man. He's, uh, he's of age. Uh, talk to him. So he's been many years blind for a purpose that God could use him. Are we willing to accept that? And it's not always that God opens our sight. Fanny Crosby, all the songs that she wrote, understand, she wrote them because she was blind and she could see better blind than she could with eyes. And so the Lord used her. Are we willing to say and accept like she did, Lord, use me? Now, go back over to Psalm 91. I want you to notice this in verse number 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid. Okay? One of the things of deliverance is an absence of fear. Is a trust in the Lord. Uh, the, the blind people, even Fanny uh, Crosby, uh, she actually praised the Lord for her blindness. She actually thanked the Lord for it. But that is the sign of a great Christian that has accepted a malady and said, it's okay, Lord, use me. And the Lord says, I will deliver you. Now, he didn't deliver her sight, but he delivered her from all her fears he delivered her by giving her an education when no one else could get one. He, he just really took care of her. But she accepted it. Notice, if you would, in verse number 9, notice this. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come near thy dwelling. Now, I'm going to protect you so that um, anything that happens to you is something that I've permitted. And sometimes he says, I'm not going to let things happen to you. Abraham was very blessed. But does anybody remember Abraham's great tests? Can anybody tell me what it was? His son. He said, I want you to offer your son for me. 
But understand this. He went up to the top of the mountain with his son and a knife, and his son looked at him and said, Dad, I see the wood and I see the fire, but, but where's the lamb? And what was his word? God shall provide himself a lamb. He knew the Lord. And if you read Hebrews chapter 11, he said, I know the Lord could raise him up. So I think he fully expected his son to die and the Lord to resurrect him because he said, we will come. He told his servants, he said, the lad and I will go up yonder and return again. But Abraham had the greatest love of their life was he and his wife had no child and then God does a miracle child and gives him Isaac and all of a sudden now the Lord says, give him back to me. You know what the Lord is trying to say? He's trying to say, I want to be first. I don't want your children to mean more than me. I don't want your wife or your husband to mean more to me. I certainly don't want your job or your houses or your lands to mean more to me. And so you and I have got to learn. And a part of revival is sometimes we get to where, boy, we're so proud of our job. We're so proud of uh, something that we have that we do this and don't even realize it. And the Lord brings things in our life to open it up. If we dwell with him, he will not let that happen. He will give us absence of fear and a, 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 a trust in him that we can't get any other way. And that's why he says, I will deliver you. Notice what he says. And, and I like this part, how he delivers us. <clears throat> now look, if you would, in verse number 11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Now, I'm going to pause right here for a minute. I want to ask you a question. Do you think Satan knows when God protects us? Why do you say that? Give me a proof that we know Satan knows when God protects us. When it's God himself doing it. Can you give me a proof? Job? What about Job? Pardon me? He said, I put a hedge around it. He said, you put a hedge around Job, I can't touch it. Okay, so God did that. But sometimes the Lord just wants us to know and trust what he can do. Can you tell me a time in the scriptures when God did not deliver someone but he had the capability, and the person that wasn't delivered knew he had the capability. Isaiah, yep. You know what? Jesus. He's on the cross, and he looked at his, he looked at the people and says, I can, 12 legions of angels I could call, but not my will, thy be done. So, the Lord, we just need to know that God can deliver us and be assured of that, whether he puts a hedge about us himself or whether he uh, sends an angel to, to watch out for us. Um, if you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 1. I want you to see this real quickly. Hebrews chapter 1. <clears throat> Notice with me if you would. Notice if you would in verse number 14. Speaking of angels, in verse 13, he said, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Set on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? He, the angels don't get that privilege. The angels are servants. So notice in verse 14. Are they not all, 
All angels are ministering spirits. Gabriel, Michael, sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation. So God dispatches angels to watch out for you and I. Do you remember? Do you, do you think Satan knows this? <coughs> sure he does. How well do you think he knows this? Take your Bible and turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I want you to see this. Verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up to the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple. So get this in your mind. Satan takes Jesus Christ and puts him on the peak of the temple. And listen to what he says. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. He can quote Scripture as good as anybody on earth. Look what he said. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now keep your finger there and flip over to, to Psalm 91. Notice, if you would, verse 11. Where was he quoting from? The old devil. Verse 11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Satan knows Scripture, but he twists Scripture. Do you think God meant for him to, to say, okay, let me take Jesus up on top of the mountain, cast yourself down, and prove that you're the Son of God because the angels come around and carry you? That'd be like you and I trying to uh, go up the Empire State Building and say, well, that verse says the Lord will help me, so I'll just jump off the Empire State Building. The Lord, will, the Lord promised to take care of me. And the Lord Jesus said, no, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So you and I do what is right. We trust the Lord knowing his promise is there and that he can take care of us if it's his perfect will. Remember, his plan is perfect. But sometimes it does include blindness. Sometimes it does include being crippled. Sometimes it does include X, Y, and Z. But God's plan is perfect. So what he says to you and I, he says, I want you to set your love upon me. I'll take away the fear. I'll provide your needs. And I'll use you in a mighty way. All those things Fanny Crosby enjoyed. An absence of fear. Sight. I mean, she actually used the word sight in her songs. I can see. But she was seeing spiritually. And so today, don't be fearful of the Lord using you and I in a circumstance that might be difficult. So notice with me, if you would, in verse number, uh, in verse number uh, 14, because he hath set his love upon me, Therefore will I deliver him. Now, we look at that and say, well, nothing, no trouble is ever going to come my way. That's not what it means. Deliverance means there are times when I allow trouble, but I will redeem you out of it. I will either, A, 
let you walk in the midst of the fiery furnace and walk with you. B, I will give you your sight back as he did in John chapter uh, 9. Or it may be that like with the apostle Peter, he was crucified upside down, but he made an eternal difference. And there have been stories all throughout a history of people that, that, were, uh, uh, that were martyred, but they didn't feel the pain. They, they just they went right through to it. I, I, there was, uh, I think it was Savannah Rolla that was, um, they were going to roast him, and they put him on his back on a grate, and, and, and after a while, uh, th- th- he had been there. They'd set him on the grates, and he said, I'm ready if you can turn me over now. Uh, you can't do that unless the Lord says, I'll take care of you. No man is tough enough to endure a fire and say, I'm ready now. I'm done on this side. You can flip me over. It, that, that testimony to those soldiers was like, what does he have that I don't? Are we willing to let the Lord use us in a miracle way? Two parts to that. I accept your will because I love you more than anything in this life. Because he hath set his love upon me, I will deliver him. And so when you and I think about it, uh, well, you know, not all the times does the Lord deliver us the way we think. But he says, I will deliver you the way it's best for my plan because my plan is perfect. And so I just want you to notice um, it's provided through prayer. As we pray, he does hear us. It's provided through his angels as he gives them uh, power with us. Um, If you have your Bible, turn, if you would, to, uh, we'll close with this, to 2 Kings. We're going to, I'm going to allude to this this morning, the morning message. But 2 Kings chapter number 6. And you can see this actual happening. Verse 13. And he said, go and spy where he is. Now, this is uh, Ben-Hadad. He's the Syrian king. Go spy where Elisha is. Go find him. That I may send and fetch him. Because he's telling all my secrets. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he's in Dothan. Now, if you're trusting the Lord, you don't have to run and hide necessarily. That doesn't mean sometimes he doesn't want us to. But in this case, Elisha felt comfort that the Lord's going to take care of me no matter what. So notice, 14, Therefore he sent thither horses and chariots and a great host. They came by night and compassed the city about. So He's trying to get one man, and the whole city is caught up. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and a host encompassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? What's going to happen to us, Lord? He was struck with fear. Elisha was not. Elisha was enjoying Psalm 91. I'm under the shadow of his wings. 
unless I dash my foot against a stone, the angels have got me. Notice in verse 16. And he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. You can always know that the ministering spirits of Michael and Gabriel, God will dispatch them for you and I to watch out for us as long as we set our love upon him and accept his will for us. And notice what happens. Verse 17, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Now, you know what that tells me? Because Elisha was so close to the Lord, his eyes were already open. Spiritual people that have set their love upon the Lord and have accepted his will and said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. You're going to be my shield and buckler. They can see things that other people cannot. Their spiritual vision is wonderful, and it gives them great peace. So notice what happens. And the, young, the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. So today, the Lord says, I will send my angels to take care of you because you set your love upon me and because you trust me and you accept my provision. Tonight or today, could I encourage you to take Psalm 91, read it, and say, Lord, I'm going to learn to trust you. I may not be able to see the angels, but I know they're there because you promised. Do you remember Daniel prayed 21 days, no answer. Anybody here ever prayed and it just seemed like the heavens were sealed? He prayed for, fasted and prayed months of 21 days. And the angel said, Satan hindered me. But from the moment you prayed, God sent me. So I just want to encourage you today, God uses the angels to watch out for you. But we just need to set our love upon him and trust him. Father, today, thank you for the promises that are so encouraging. Lord, that you love us, the unlovable. And Lord, you promised to send your angels which all of them are ministering spirits for us. <clears throat> Lord, sometimes you send hundreds of them, thousands of them, and sometimes you just send one. But Lord, your presence is enough. I pray that you'd help us to learn the lesson of Psalm 91, that if we dwell with you, you'll dwell with us. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, uh, you can step out in about 15, 17 minutes, and we'll have our morning service.